All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to the Daily Face-Off Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis, live every weekday at noon Eastern. What's up, everybody? Welcome into a jam-packed edition of the Daily Face-Off Show, 48 hours from the opening of free agency. We're streaming live on Twitter, YouTube, as well as, of course, dailyfaceoff.com. Today is Monday, July 11th. He is former NHL player and current Daily Faceoff analyst, Mike McKenna. How you doing? Man, I'm great, especially after racking off 17 hours driving in the car. I'm at my in-laws, beautiful Adirondack, New York, ready to talk a little bit of hockey to get us through the free agent season. Yeah, so much going on, Mike. And we'll start with this. The Colorado Avalanche promoted assistant general manager Chris McFarland to general manager on Monday. This was rumored for a while after he was not permitted to interview for positions in both Anaheim and San Jose. Joe Sackick, their GM, of course, is moving up to president of Hockey Ops. So Chris McFarland, sort of the brains behind the operation, someone who certainly paid his dues with stops in Columbus previously, uh, getting promoted to the big chair now after helping the Avs to their third Stanley Cup in franchise history. Mike, what do you make of the move? Uh, I'm excited for Chris McFarland. Uh, I have a personal relationship going back to the Columbus uh, time that we worked together. He was the assistant GM of the Blue Jackets when I was in Springfield with the American Hockey League. Our assistant coaches happened to be Nolan Pratt and Jared Bednar, who the head coaches of Colorado, Colorado Avalanche just won the Stanley Cup. Um, I just think McFarland is a really bright individual. He treats people fairly. Uh, and he's always been able to maintain that cordial relationship with players. So um, certainly been brains of the operation, I guess you could say, working in tandem with 
with Joe Sackett and being able to make that sing in Colorado. So nice move and really just happy for Chris because he's put the work in. Yeah, certainly well-deserved. And some other news quickly uh, just happening here in the last few minutes. The Chicago Blackhawks initiating the buyout process for both Henrik Borgstrom as well as Brett Connolly. Uh, so they hit waivers at 12 noon for purposes of a buyout. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. We'll touch on the Chicago Blackhawks a little bit later in the show. Certainly an aggressive last week for the Blackhawks as they move on from Alex Debrinkit and Kirby Doc. End up with three first-round picks. We'll touch on that in a bit. But for now, let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and let's dive into the Calgary Flames. We have a new top 50 out at dailyfaceoff.com for free agents. And Johnny Gaudreau, the guy who's been there all offseason long, no closer to a contract, Mike, with the Calgary Flames at this point. I'm told that uh, the two sides have remained in constant conversation. I met, of course, in Montreal during the NHL draft process. And, you know, to this point, no traction. They've said all the right things. The positivity and optimism has been there up until a certain point. But Johnny Gaudreau's real deadline is not 12 noon Eastern on Wednesday. It's 11.59 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday evening, just before midnight, as that is the exact moment in time that the Calgary Flames can no longer offer an eight-year deal to Gaudreau. He would essentially then be hitting the market, and they would lose or their advantage would be eliminated on the market because of their ability to offer that eighth year and a significant chasm or gap in total earnings. The Flames have put a significant bona fide offer on the table. I'm told they started at eight years times nine and a half million dollars. I believe they'd be willing to go as high as eight years and $11 million per season just to get Johnny Gaudreau done. But that's never really been about money in this situation, Mike. I think in this case, they're just looking to get him signed. And the answer has always been, you come and tell us that you want to be a Calgary Flame and we'll get a deal done. And to this point, the Gaudreau camp has not been willing or, or interested in engaging any further. When you're this close now, Mike, to free agency, as a player who's been in this spot and has had six or seven weeks to deliberate on this on your future, what does it tell you that the Flames haven't gotten an answer from Johnny Gaudreau? It's just his gut. They haven't been able to get Johnny to figure out that he wants to be a flame for the rest of his career. And that's difficult. Doesn't that tell you that he's probably unlikely to come back? It tells me that he's definitely leaning very hard towards at least testing free agency and seeing what's out there because this isn't about money, Frank. Like to me, it's not at all. Like you said, like it's truly about where does he want to play? Where does he think he can win? How does that all factor in? And listen, like no two decisions are ever the same for a pending free agent player, you know, but I do liken this somewhat to the John Chavarez um, situation a few years ago where he decided to leave Long Island, which is all he'd known to go home to Toronto where, you know, he'd always wanted to be in Leaf and want to win a Stanley Cup. Like, is this very different for Gaudreau? If his heart really isn't in Calgary, you got a guy from the Eastern seaboard of the United States. Does he think he can win? Does he think he wants to play somewhere else, Frank? And the longer this went, that was the feeling I got was that Johnny may not want to be in Calgary if that's really what it comes down to. And I think ultimately, He's going to want to see what's available out there and try to make the best decision. If he tries to stay in Calgary, I think it's purely about winning. I think it's about the best fit and knowing that that team does have a chance. But otherwise, man, God's the most important feel. And like I say, I think this is something similar to that Tavares situation a few years ago. 
Pretty significant trickle-down effect, Mike, for the Calgary mm-hmm. Flames. If Johnny Gaudreau doesn't come back, what happens to Matthew Kachuk? He's just one year away from unrestricted free agency. Does he end up coming back? Does he want to sign long-term in Calgary if Johnny Gaudreau doesn't come back? What happens with some of the other guys that they have that are also pending UFAs on their back end? Zadarov, Goodbranson, uh, Andrew Majapani, significant piece as well on the RFA front. Mike, I, I just feel like the Calgary Flames right now, are paralyzed. They can't really yeah. do anything until they have a final answer one way or the other from Johnny Gaudreau. I feel like they've done all the right things and said all the right things and trying to get him to stay in Calgary, but they could be looking at a major overhaul or a reset. So many things to watch, and it really feels like today is one of those days that the rubber meets the road for Gaudreau and Calgary. They, they need to get an answer. They need to get moving one way or the other. So we'll certainly keep our eye on that. The other name, big name on the free agent front where there was some news this morning, Evander Kane. Uh, we reported early this morning another top five player on our free agent board is no closer to a contract extension with the Edmonton Oilers. He's looking long-term. He is steadfast in his belief, his camp led by agent Dan Milstein of Gold Star Hockey, that he can get a long-term deal somewhere between 40 to $50 million in total when the market opens on Wednesday. And because the two sides have not made any progress in talks and they did meet on Sunday, that reportedly the Evander Kane camp now has the ability to speak to other teams to open that process. So essentially the Edmonton Oilers, if I'm reading this correctly, have said, okay, you think you can get somewhere between 40 and $50 million? Go ahead, be our guest. Uh, Show us what the market looks like. And if we need to reconsider, we will. Uh, Our former colleague, Tim Peel, who actually broke way back when that Evander Kane was going to the Edmonton Oilers, says that Kane got an offer from Edmonton that's somewhere in the neighborhood of four years times four and a half million dollars, somewhere in the mid four million dollar range. And that jives with exactly what I had heard previously, that the Oilers are not willing to go long term, certainly not six or a seven year deal. They recognize the fit, Mike, that Evander Kane had with Connor McDavid, uh, almost a perfect stylistic fit, a true finisher, someone with size and edge to his game. But in this case, even though it seemed to be a perfect marriage, at least in the very short term, that they can't come together on a long-term deal, perhaps some concern about what that looks like moving forward, given some of Kane's past history. Now, if you're the Oilers, does this make sense? Or would you still go after Kane on the long-term? And if not, do you think there's a team out there that'll give Kane a six or a seven year deal? I think it really depends where a team is in their in their trajectory and what they have for cap space. I mean, if you're Edmonton, for me, there's other needs that are pressing. Like I still think they need puck moving defensemen. Like Duncan Keith's not going to be there next year. You know, what if you can grab a player on the open market that's going to be worth that to be able to boost that position? You know, they still need a goaltender as well. And when you're trying to balance all of these things, where's Kane going to fit in the mix at 31 years old? Yeah, he fit like a glove. Yeah, he worked great. But you've also got the grievance up in the air that there's not going to be any resolution on whether his deal with the Sharks is still valid, Frank. So if I'm a general manager out there on a contending team, I'd be very nervous to signing Kane because you may not even know if you're going to have him, much less for seven million bucks a season. Like it's going to take a lot of cap space. Like I I do think that if I were on a club that was uh, in a different place, like, and I'm just throwing names out, but like Seattle Kraken, New Jersey Devils, Detroit Red Wings, teams that have cap space that are looking to raise their profile in the game. Maybe you'd be more willing to go after Kane in that type of scenario and roll the dice a little bit on signing that deal because you don't want to get hamstrung with not having cap flexibility 
should that deal not be valid down the road. So, um, you know, the shorter term deal for Kane, boy, it's a great fit in Edmonton, but like straight up, dude, this is a guy that needs money and he's going to try to milk this free agent process for everything he has because of bankruptcy and everything else. So I can understand both sides of it, uh, but I definitely appreciate the Oilers taking a hard line here. To your point, Mike, um, on the money front and with regards to that contract termination grievance process that is gone ongoing and that we don't have a resolution for, I'm told the Oilers have tried to present a few different creative options to get Kane back up towards that $7 million AAV, basically saying, hey, whatever this settlement ends up being, we will top you up. We will pay the difference to make sure that you are made whole if indeed you go down the settlement path. To this point, Kane has not had any interest in engaging in settlement talks. I think the Oilers have tried to spur that process on as much as possible. But the response from the Kane camp is whatever happens on that front with regards to the contract termination, that's separate. If he ends up getting money from that, he'd like money from that pile and to essentially double dip from the free agent pile as well to mash that up into a really nice number. Can't certainly blame a player for asking given his situation or, or spot that he's in, but the Oilers have tried a bunch of different ways to make this work and make this palatable for Kane seemingly to no avail to this point. I'm really curious what Dan Milstein and Evander Kane can dig up on the open market here in short order. So speaking of that story that's posted on dailyfaceoff.com, we do have a fresh new top 50 up and there's a whole bunch of names that will be added in addition to the ones that were out there already, as we learned today with qualifying offers due at 5 p.m. Eastern, that there will be a few other guys that are hitting unrestricted free agency that we might not have otherwise expected. Dylan Strome from Chicago, as well as Dominic Kubelik, are a couple of the guys that were added to the list. Uh, Nicholas Abe Kubel will not be receiving a qualifying offer in Colorado as well. And the list will continue to grow as we get towards 5 p.m. Eastern. Mike, but when you look at the top 10 and, and you look at some of the other guys that are available, who catches your eye in terms of some of those free agents that are out there? Yeah, well, Kubelik is one that I actually find really interesting. I mean, it's a guy who's filled the net previously and it's fallen off. Somebody will take a flyer on him. But I really look at John Klingberg and you've got him sitting firmly in your top five, Frank. And I agree with you there. He's probably the best of be, uh, defenseman available right now. And um, it, it, this is a player that's made $4.25 million for the last contract over, you know, over the years on it. And he's looking to get paid and he should because he's the top available right-hand shot defenseman available and there's going to be no shortage of teams. And um, I, I think for Klingberg, man, like look where he could possibly fit right now. Look at, look at the Carolina, look at Edmonton. Like both of these clubs could really benefit from him, especially like I'm thinking Carolina that's missing that or that has slave and shape. Pesci, man, you mix Klingberg into that. Oh, that's pretty deadly. And they're going to need power play. Uh, he fits that. So does Edmonton. So um, I'm curious to see where Klingberg goes. I think in my eyes, at least, I'm sure it's going to be a contract that's well north of $7 million, I'd expect. Uh, but I don't know term on it. You've got a player who's a little bit older here, but he's still in that proper age where you would want of still being in his 20s. So Frank, who are you looking at on the list? Yeah, it's me. It's Evgeny Mal Malkin for me, if I could spit those words out correctly. It seems like there has been some progress and some common ground that's been found in the last 24 hours. I'm told that uh, for the first time, the Pittsburgh Penguins put a four-year deal on the table. And I think ideally in a perfect world, the Penguins would be hoping to get Malkin on a four-year deal at the same AAV as Chris Letang, who came in at 6.1 on a six-year deal. Um 
I think the Malkin camp really needed to get to that four-year deal in order to try and make the total dollars more palatable. Um, I also think there's just a deal to be made in general, even if the AAV is a bit higher than that. We'll see where that goes. The big wild card for Malkin is how does he react to all of this? We saw the story from Rob Rossi in The Athletic over the weekend. Some really poignant quotes. Do they even want me? And the fact that this has dragged on so long, the fact that Chris Letang was made the number one priority, in my opinion, understandably so, given he's way more difficult to replace for the Pittsburgh Penguins, that they're in a spot where I think Evgeny Malkin feels like he's not feeling the love as a Hart Trophy winner, a Conn Smythe winner, and a guy that's helped deliver three Stanley Cups to Pittsburgh. So... How does he react to all this? You know, the clock is ticking and there's a deal to be had, but does he sort of get fed up with the process and say, you know what? I've had enough Pittsburgh. Thank you. I'm going to go somewhere, I don't know, on a one-year deal for a much higher AAV and go for a change of scenery. I still think the odds are that he ends up in Pittsburgh, but Mike, uh, I don't know. Anything could happen there because I Mm -hmm. think this is the absolute truth with Evgeny Malkin. If you were to put a piece of paper in front of him, and to say, hey, Gino, write down exactly what you'd like to make on your next deal. I don't know that he'd be able to answer. So that situation is certainly still up in the air. Mike, lots of things that didn't happen during draft week. We saw a number of trades, but still a lot of the significant pieces at the top after Alex Debrinkit, who was our number one trade target, remain available. And that includes the current number one and JT Miller from the Vancouver Canucks who replaced him atop the board. It's been very, very quiet. I'm told on the Blake Wheeler front in the last 24 to 48 hours. Same thing with Jacob Chikrin. I wonder about Vladimir Tarasenko. I still believe the Blues are a team to watch. I think they're trying to move some salary or at least consider their options with a bunch of different players on the table. Tori Krug was a surprise addition to the trade targets board last week. I think they've just been gauging interest on a number of different fronts. If we could get this for this guy or this for that guy, Doug Armstrong, the Blues GM, has certainly been busy. Yes, at Pogliarvi, his name is still out there at number five. Who are you most intrigued in and who are you most surprised hasn't moved to this point? Well, I thought Miller had a pretty good chance and Tarasenko as well. Like, when you look at Chikrin, that's going to take a lot to get that deal done, I think, especially for a younger player. Uh, and Pogliarvi, who knows what you're going to get there. Tarasenko, for me, is a tried, sure, he's a surefire bet on what you're going to get. But, like, look at Miller. There's always this there's such a desire for centermen that can skate and fit today's mold and are versatile and Miller can play the wing as well. And, you know, I have to wonder, Frank, like even this, this past weekend where there was a little bit of smoke out there between Vancouver and the Islanders, and it's all been shot down pretty quickly with Lou Lamorello saying, talk to Vancouver, which to me means that something was going on there and Lou may not have liked it. I just, I look at Miller and I wonder, Frank, and you'd probably be better to answer this, but does it have to be something that's going to turn into a trade and sign for Miller to get that player? You know, do those discussions need to take place? How many teams are out there that are willing to just rent Miller for a year at, you know, $5.25 million? This guy put up 99 points last year, though, man. So uh, it's something to think about. But the long term, where does he fit in your plans? Does he fit? Is he one year rental? I think that's probably made this move a little bit harder for Vancouver to be able to take if they're going to eventually pull the trigger on it. I think Vancouver is looking for a haul. And so if you're going to get a haul, you better have a guarantee that you're going to be able to sign that player for the long term. If not, I think that vastly changes the dynamic of any type of trade that might exist. Uh, a couple things to keep an eye on over these next 24 hours. One, 
Does a team like the Philadelphia Flyers make a move to clear cap space? Travis Konechny is a little bit further down on our board. Uh, I think a lot of people have wondered about, do the Flyers try and move on from James Van Riemsdyk and his $7 mm-hmm. million hit for one more year? Um, if the Flyers do end up moving space over the next 24 hours, I think you could probably pencil them in as a, a really solid landing spot for Johnny Gaudreau because right now they're pretty tight to the cap. They still don't have an answer on Ryan Ellis on the back end. And then the other thing is, what did the Ottawa Senators do with Matt Murray? They've been trying to move him for a while. And let's dive into that right now with another edition of the Blue Paint. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. All right, Mike, pleased to dive into another edition of the Blue Paint delivered by DoorDash. We've got plenty of goalie talk to get through with that market certainly heating up and with the number of chairs dwindling. And Mike, that's exactly why I believe the Toronto Maple Leafs are in on Matt Murray from the Ottawa Senators. Of course, there's a familiarity factor that exists between this between Murray and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Where did he play junior hockey? Sault Ste. Marie, of course, with the Greyhounds, where Kyle Dubas was, where their coach Sheldon Keefe was. They saw Murray at his best in junior hockey in that final year of his junior hockey career. Lots of questions about Matt Murray and his game. What would your confidence level be like if you were to be the Maple Leafs acquiring Matt Murray? Not very high. Uh, Right now at this stage, I just don't see how you can expect a magic wand to fix some of the struggles in Matt Murray's game. 
You know, it's been three full seasons since we've seen him truly be an elite goaltender at the NHL level. And granted, he hasn't had much support in Ottawa for two seasons. And and Pittsburgh, he's, it, it didn't go great towards the end. But I look at his game and I think, man, he's not tracking the puck well. He's complacent in some of his post integrations. He, he's a little bit sloppy in his positioning. And like he's not that rock solid goaltender that we saw coming out of the American League and winning Stanley Cups in his first couple of years. Like he's a reclamation project. If you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, is that what you're looking for is another reclamation project, which is essentially what Jack Campbell was before that. And now you have the Sioux lineage. That's great. He was good in junior hockey for you. But, you know, if if Matt Murray doesn't work, who's next? Do you bring in Brandon Halverson, who was also good in junior hockey? I mean, that's that's kind of what we're going towards here. And, and it's not just Murray's play. Like, even if you get a great version of Matt Murray, even if Curtis Sanford, the new goalie coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs, bring Murray's, brings Murray's game back to what it was. Because it was a phenomenal game when he first came in. Can he stay healthy? Like those questions are still real too. And do you turn to Eric Schalgren for 40 games if because Murray's not healthy? Like, I don't know, man. I just, I don't have the feeling that this is a rock solid play in any way. It's a lot of hope going on. And I mean, I, if it happens, I hope it works for Murray. I hope it works for the Leafs because uh, he has been a great goalie, but I wouldn't have a lot of confidence in it, Frank. Yeah, I just think it's so multi-layered. Like you said, it's not even so much about his game. Like, yes, the game, there's plenty of question marks. And I think we always wonder how much of an impact did playing on what was essentially a pretty bad team in Ottawa over the last couple of years have on it. But it's also the health factor, just 47 games played over the last two seasons. And yes, one of those was COVID shortened, but still hasn't been able to stay upright, has had significant confidence issues, I think, as well, probably fair to say. Um, but I think the Toronto Maple Leafs, if I'm reading this correctly, my sense is that the reason why they're in on Matt Murray is because they have an idea, they're reading the market that a lot of these chairs may already be spoken for. You know, we'd never suggest right. that anyone out there is doing anything illegal or tampering, but you know, what's going on with Jack Campbell? They've waited a long time, had an opportunity weeks ago to bring Jack Campbell back. I think the longer it went on, Jack Campbell was probably in a spot like, hey, I'm a premier free agent that's out there on the market. If you don't want to bring me back, well, you know, that probably says a lot and, and feels like they kind of got into this spot last year with Zach Hyman as well, that they circled back probably at the last moment to try and get something done and, and weren't able to because, you know, there were some feelers that had been put out there in the marketplace that, hey, remember how early the, the Zach Hyman deal was rumored in Edmonton? Could a similar type thing be happening with Jack Campbell this time around? Same thing with Darcy Kemper. Uh, it's, mm -hmm. you know, they had an opportunity if they wanted to, to step up and trade a late round pick to the Colorado Avalanche to have exclusive negotiating rights. That didn't happen. There seems to be lots of smoke that Darcy Kemper could be destined for a place like the Washington Capitals. If all of those things are true, and I'm not saying that they are, that's just the current scuttlebutt that's out there. Well, then you could see why the Leafs are in a spot where Murray might be the next best option available at this point, as they no doubt rely on, as you said, Curtis Sanford, their new goaltending coach, and their goaltending consultant in John Elkin. So we mentioned the Colorado Avalanche and Darcy Kemper, who had put out some feelers out there in the last few days, essentially saying, hey, uh, if you'd like to trade a late round pick to get Kemper's rights, you can do so because we now have Alexander Georgiev, who they signed to a new three-year contract extension uh, after acquiring him from the New York Rangers and Pavel Francouz. The two of them are going to get smashed together and make about, I don't know, five and a half million bucks in total mm -hmm. as their tandem moving forward. But what's interesting when you look at 
Alexander Georgiev and his new three-year deal at $3.75 million. My question to you is not, did they make the right move in going with Georgiev? It's should they have just gotten someone like Marc-Andre Fleury when you consider the deal that he signed with the Minnesota Wild was for one less year at fewer dollars, two years times $3.5 million to go to Minnesota. I wonder what Colorado's chances would have been had they been looking at Flurry in terms of his interest. It seems like they decided to go younger in this case. Right move or wrong move? Uh, it's a curious move, and it's one that would make me a little bit nervous because it could play out in either direction. This could work out for the Colorado Avalanche if Georgiev is able to step up and truly become the goaltender that everybody's thought he was for a very long time. You haven't seen it behind Shesterkin in New York. He didn't get the chance to play a lot of games in a row, but he also didn't grab the net, Frank. He had an opportunity and didn't really do much with it. But when he did play games in a row, Georgiev was better. It's somebody in my eyes that at times... Uh, he struggled to really find his place with traffic and with movements that when I see pucks coming through that he's not finding, it's just a matter of rhythm. And so if he's going to play a lot in Colorado, maybe it fixes it. But like, this is a team that's going to be a winner and should be a winner for the next two or three years. If you bring in Marc-Andre Fleury, you know what you're getting, like period. Like, and, and I'm not sure that Colorado is going to be as good next year as they were this year. They should be, but they still have some holes to fill. I mean, if Kadri walks, where do you go for your number two center? I think they're going to have to rely on goaltending more next season than they did this year and potentially the one after that as well. And they're taking a risk here and they're looking at goaltending and going, well, we basically won with average goaltending this year. We think we might be able to do it again. And we're hoping that Georgiev really turns into something. I'm not sold on it. I would be sold with Marc-Andre Fleury because the Avalanche would know what they're getting. But it also says a lot about their pipeline. I mean, what do they think of Eustace Anonin? You know, he's he's supposed to be a year away from the NHL. What does this do to that mix? And what else is in their pipeline? Not a lot. So I think they're kind of trying to buy their goalie of the future in Georgiev. Um, but I think you'd also have to be really careful that it doesn't turn around and bite them come playoff time. Yeah, I totally get it. And what do you think of the what do you make of the potential idea that Marc-Andre Fleury too old? Do you buy that at That's, all? Do you understand no. the need to go younger with the abs with Georgiev and Francois? No, I don't buy that for a second on Mark Andre. I mean, that guy's an absolute thoroughbred. The shape he's in and and just some of the adjustments he's made to his game. He's always been receptive to whatever coaching he's received. That's why he's played. That's why he won a Vezina trophy after the age of 35 in the NHL. He's been able to make changes and been able to stay up with it. He's in great shape. So um I, I don't buy that. I mean, I think you can play your best hockey mid-30s, upper-30s. Um, but I also understand that Colorado's trying to build to the future, even though they're in win-now mode. Yeah, no shortage of drama there in Minnesota as well. After the Flurry signing, Dar or, uh, mm. Cam Talbot, excuse me, expressing his uh, contempt with, uh, I guess, maybe when it comes down to it, the contract, ultimately, that Marc-Andre Flurry has, earning more dollars this year. Talbot looking for an extension. I believe he was offered one, but it appears to be at an AAV that's beneath of what Flurry has now. We'll see how that plays out. I don't think the Wild, if you listen to their GM and Bill Guerin, have any interest in trading Cam Talbot. They see the two of them, Talbot and Flurry, as perhaps one of the best tandems in the league, trotting them out on a nightly basis. Hard to argue with that, given their track records and recent numbers as well. So, Mike, just quickly on the potential fits of some of those rumored guys that may be going mm -hmm. as potential unrestricted free agents. Jack Campbell, what would he look like in Edmonton? Uh, Darcy Kemper, what would he look like in Washington? What would they be getting? 
Well, I think Kemper, what you're getting is somebody who's been a top third goaltender in the NHL now for several years. And for me, he's solid. You know, you can expect a 915 out of Kemper. He's just won a Stanley Cup. He wasn't afraid of that big stage. Um, I do think that Kemper still has a little bit of room to clean up his game a little bit. His skating can improve. And I think that, uh, you know, maybe working with with Scott Murray in Washington will help that a little bit. But um, I, I think with Kemper, he's you know what you're getting. It's a guarantee with Campbell. I'm not sure it, whether you're Washington, whether you're Edmonton, whoever ends up with Campbell, he's played 140 games in the league and he's really only been a starter for the most part of one season, a number one goaltender in the league, Frank. So um, I'd have concerns with Campbell. I thought his game took strides this year from a technical perspective, but then as soon as the mental side went away, it just spiraled. So um, Campbell to me leaves question marks. Kemper is a pretty sure bet. Again, neither of them I see as being truly like a top a top end goalie in the league, but both capable of being number ones and carrying the load. It's amazing to see the game of goaltending musical chairs that we see annually every summer, which mm -hmm. team is going to be left without one. Cause there's certainly going to be teams that are looking for backups and third goalies that probably just aren't going to get them. There's that limited in terms of supply. The demand is high and it's also the most difficult position as you Mike, to predict on a year in and year out basis. Some yep. teams even that are involved in the mix say that they feel like they're rolling the dice signing some of these players because you just never know impact uh, team in front of them, everything that goes into it. Uh, Mike, fascinating stuff. This has been another edition of the blue paint delivered by DoorDash. You've seen the promo codes there at the bottom of your screen. DFODD if you're in Canada, DFODD US if you're in the United States, that gets you 25% off and free delivery on your first order. Free agency this week. So many things going on. You're glued to your phone. You don't want to cook all your favorites and more delivered right to your door by DoorDash. All right, Mike, it's time for our daily face-off inbox question of the day. Hit us up on Twitter, hashtag AskDFO, brought to you by PointsBet. Uh, when you take a look at this, Mike, why is Chicago not keeping young players to rebuild and trading them away instead? That is from Alejandro. I think there was certainly some consternation as well. Why couldn't they get a pick for Dylan Strom? You look at the guys that they're buying out today, Henrik Borgstrom, as well as Brett Connolly. So many names on the move in Chicago. Mike, I love it because they're aggressive. You know, there's no such thing as being half pregnant. And when you're in the NHL and you're trying to rebuild and you're trying to tank, this is a pure tail, tear it down to the studs rebuild as they seem all in for the number one pick next year. After obtaining three first round picks, they didn't enter the draft in Montreal with any and end up leaving with three and nine in the first three rounds. It's pretty simple as this for me. I think the GM Kyle Davidson thought, man, I'm going to make this team over in the way that I want to. And we think that out of our three first round picks, we're probably going to get a better player than Kirby Doc eventually down the road. And we also believe that Ryan Strom, or sorry, not Ryan Strom, Dylan Strom at times didn't quite get to the point where you wanted to him in his game. And if you'd seen his progression from the American League, you can understand why. So I think you trust your scouts here and you trust your internal knowledge to say, man, we are going to keep basically nothing and we're going to grab all these high draft picks and we're going to draft the players that we want and that we believe are going to play the style that we want to play and we're going for it. And I mean, that might take a little bit of time, Frank, but ultimately like 
it lets you build an organization the way you want to do it. You don't have any leftovers. So I appreciate it. It's pretty bold, man, for sure. I don't think that I'm not sure what fans are going to be thinking in Chicago if there's going to be much in the seats next year. But um, without a question here, this is an aggressive rebuild. And that's it's not that different than what Chicago did leading up to their Stanley Cups. Thanks to Alejandro for the question. The lingering question, of course, is what happens now with Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves? Those conversations ongoing this week. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, Mike, if one of those players asks out Mm -hmm. that we could see something materialize in rather short order, particularly around Patrick Kane. All teams still have the cap space, so uh, certainly time is of the essence on that front. Teams would move heaven and earth to get their hands on a player like Patrick Kane. Keep an eye on that, and that'll do it for our inbox question of the day. Now time for garbage time. Mike, I cede the floor to you. What do you got? What's caught your attention? What's caught your eye from around the hockey world? It's just funny to me to see that, you know, teams are allowing players to go out and talk to other clubs. Like we saw with Evander Kane um, just here recently was reported that he can go basically see what's available on the market. Dougie Hamilton had that same right last year that was granted by the Carolina Hurricanes. And it just reminds me that we used to have an actual courting period. You know, for a lot of my career, you couldn't talk to other teams. The week leading up to free agency, you weren't allowed to do that. And then the CBA changes and then we have a courting period. And I'm like, man, this is great. Like I actually have an understanding of where I think I may end up next year. What organization that makes things smoother. You don't have to have that take, take that big gulp leading up to the actual day uh, where you're not sure what's going to happen. Well, now the courting period has gone again from the last CBA. And Frank, like, I haven't been able to understand why uh, to me, it makes things easier. There's not the same kind of shadiness that we're all thinking is going on. But you have a real reason on why it went away that I had never heard of, Frank. Yeah, in fact, actually, the NHLPA pushed for this. This was one of the things that was on their bargaining list was to remove that interview period because it took the frenzy aspect out of it. You know, think back to a number of years ago when teams actually abided by this and there wasn't as much tampering, which was there'd be an absolute frenzy of phones ringing for GMs and front offices and agents saying, Hey, it's 1201. We can now talk to you. You know, here's what we're interested in. Then teams are bidding each other up literally on the phone while they try and agree to terms on something. And it's a race to see if they could get a guy signed for the players. When you gave GMs and teams time to think and time to map out the market and time to essentially, um, call your bluff on what you have or what you may be able to get that it ended up taking money out of players pockets so that was the thought process behind it was let's get back to the frenzy the problem is there's a lot of players and in fact a lot of agents who were thinking along the terms that you were which was let's get this done and settled i'd like to have a relaxing you know 12 noon on wednesday and (laughs) what that's done with the tampering process continuing essentially although now illegally that they're in a spot where there's a lot of deals that end up being cooked anyway, as we will learn at 12 noon on Wednesday. You'll see how quickly they end up being reported. And some of that we've already feel like we've hinted at to this point that, you know, yes, things can change between now and then, of course. um, But they're in a spot where teams have essentially done all that same work anyway. And I don't know, feels like at this point, you might as well go back to it because no one's abiding by the rules that are in place. Yeah, it's just the chaos factor. And I get that. And it shows like I was never involved in NHLPA discussions on the CBA, you know, and I had no idea, but it affects everybody downstream too. whether you're in the Miters, whether you're in the NHL, if you're signing an NHL contract, it's real. And I don't know, man, I just think it's a sham that we're 
out here even trying to act like people aren't talking, you know, like until it's the absolute first minute. Like, it's just not how the world works. I, I'd like to see it go back to having that courting period and just smooth things out a little bit. A sham. I think that's a good way to put it. Uh, so many things on the go, Mike, over these next 48 hours. Uh, we will be with you for three hours on Wednesday for our live daily face-off show, Free Agent Special. In the meantime, one deadline to keep an eye on today, 5 p.m., when qualifying offers are due. We'll see if any new surprising names pop up between now and then that could be added to our top 50 free agents list. In the meantime, some other news and notes from around the league. Scott Mellenby will be joining the St. Louis Blues front office according to a report from Jeremy Rutherford after he was in the mix for a number of different general manager posts. Scott Mellenby, great fit, having uh, lived mm -hmm. in the St. Louis area all this time with the Blues. So uh, that's another thing to watch as well. In addition to any teams that may be making moves, as I said, to clear salary cap space to go after free agents, what happens with JT Miller. So much on the go. This Daily Faceoff show has been brought to you by the 2022 Double IHF World Junior Championship. Tickets are on sale now. You can get single game tickets for as low as $40. Put on your shades, the brightest stars in junior hockey, including a lot of the names that were picked last week in the NHL draft, are coming to Edmonton in August. Mike, that'll do it for today's edition of the Daily Faceoff Show. Almost 40 minutes of pure hockey talk. We'll be back to do it again tomorrow, 12 noon Eastern. You know where to find us. Until then, have a great day, everyone. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.